Hello, everybody. This is Kidlit TV's Katja Shevchuk, welcoming you to the Kidlit TV podcast. On this podcast series, you'll hear fun and enlightening conversations with stars in the Kidlit world. Storymakers Rocco Steno, contributing editor at School Library Journal, contributor to the Huffington Post, and director of Empire State Center for the Book, is your host. In this episode of Storymakers on Location, Rocco chats with some of your favorite Kidlit authors at the Princeton Children's Book Festival in Princeton, New Jersey. I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but I can tell you that you're going to learn something new from these authors. So be sure to jump into the Kidlit Adventures, only found on Kidlit TV. I'm here at the Princeton Children's Book Festival with none other than Rosemary Wells. Well, welcome. Well, thank you. What a beautiful day and a well-attended festival. Yes. You know, I was a school librarian in a former life, and I remember one of the first books I shared was Noisy Nora. Oh, my goodness. That's a long time ago. Is that book still in print? Oh, yes, and it's available right over on the table there. Oh, great. And, and in bookstores and, and online. Bookstores and online yeah. and everywhere you want. Yeah. So And then there's, uh, of course, Max and Ruby and McDuff. Lots of Max and Ruby. Right. But you have so many characters, and you have a fun job because you get to name, uh, you know, not only does, do you name your children, but you name all your characters. Do you have, like, a favorite name, or do you have some names that are, are waiting to be used? My favorite name is Oscar. Uh-huh. I like Oscar, and I like Reuben, and I like Sophie. I have a whole list of books, a whole bunch of Sophie books. So I have some favorite names, but I like all the names I've used. Yes. There are many wonderful names out there. Yes, so you have Bunny Cakes. Bunny Cakes is Max and Ruby. And I also have a Mother Goose, which is for the youngest children, and we must not allow Mother Goose to slip out of our language and our childhood, because it is the greatest short poetry in the world. Yes. So we have these books. Yes, a great, a great uh, baby shower gift. It is a wonderful baby shower gift. <laughs> Thank you. Well, congratulations on 136 books, and just keep them coming. I will. I'm here with Herman Parrish. Herman is carrying on the legacy of his aunt Peggy Parrish, the creator of Amelia Bedelia. Well, thanks for being here with us. My pleasure. Thanks yeah. so much. I'm glad we have such a beautiful day for this. It is a, it is a wonderful day. And Amelia is always a busy woman. Uh, she was just uh, recognized down at the uh, National Book Festival, right? Yes, and for the state of South Carolina. And so I was down there uh, with Amelia. Yes. <laughs> so. So, so the question, we all know that uh, women don't like to tell their age, So, but she's been around for a while. So about how old is Amelia? Well, this is the 50th anniversary right here. They came out with a special uh, edition for the 50th anniversary back in 2013. Uh, and she actually, uh, she started off looking probably 34, 36 maybe. And uh, in the latest version, she's, uh, you know, probably 18, 19. So that, that's a great job to have. Yes. And so what would you say is uh, Amelia's biggest achievement? Well, I think just the fact that she, uh, she makes mistakes, of course, but she never lets, the, uh, she's never, uh, never lets it get her down at all. You know, she just keeps, oh, that's what you meant? Oh, okay. She doesn't feel like she's stupid or wrong or anything. You know, she just, oh, okay. But, but the character 
actually helped lots of uh, kids learn to read. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of uh, uh, kids, kids and now uh, parents are coming up, parents and grandparents saying, you know, that's the book I learned how to read on. So. You know, it, it's really nice that uh, uh, parents and grandparents can actually share a book that they knew as a child with their with the kids in their lives. Oh yes, they still uh, remember dressing the chicken. <laughs> that <laughs> cla classic joke of uh, she showed up in little uh, little clothes that she made at the chicken. Yes. So uh, let the young the younger Amelia Bedelia. So this is a new um, is this a new series? Well, this is a new series in that it's sort of the prequel because uh, we thought, well, it would be good to reach out to the children who are in, uh, you know, for picture books who are before they even start reading. And because all the, I, all the Amelia Bedelia books are I Can Read books. And so um, we thought, well, let's do a picture book. So we had her in the first grade with uh, the first day of school and uh, various picture books. And then also having her in the third, fourth grade for chapter books, which have been very successful. Yeah, and well, I, oh, look, look who is here. I can't believe this. Here, it's Amelia Bedelia herself. I heard you needed a little undusting, Herman, too, and especially right here. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And are you planning dinner this evening? Uh, I am, and uh, I brought you dinner. what did you bring me? Chicken. Oh, well, oh, look at that. Well, so delicious. Yeah. It'll be so delicious. Uh, well, I can't wait. Well, that is wonderful. So, yeah, so Amelia, so you, you've been traveling around. Do you uh, visit schools or? I do. I love to visit schools and make chocolate chip cookies. Chocolate chip cookies with potato chips in them. They're delicious. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay, I would love to taste one of those one day for you one day. Yes. All right. Thank uh, you so yes. much. Yes. Well, thanks for being here. Oh, I'm so happy to be yes. here. Yes. Yes. And Herman, thanks for carrying on the uh, tradition. Oh, my yes. It's a lot of fun. Yes. Oh, I missed a spot. <laughs> I'm here with Gail Carson Levine, author of 22 middle grade books. Her first book, her debut book, Ella Enchanted, in 1997, received a Newbery honor. Hey, Gail, welcome. Well, thank you very much. It's great to be here. Yes, so Ella Enchanted, and now that was a long time ago. Is that book still in print? Yes, it is. Well, you know, that is an accomplishment, yes. And and you have so many, uh, so many others. And uh, so your most recent book is a sequel. Yes, it is. It's uh, Stolen Magic, which is the sequel to A Tale of Two Castles. And uh, their mysteries. The dragon Minor is the detective, and its assistant is Elodie, who's a girl. Yeah, we always need strong female characters. Yes, yes. I know it's difficult to ask an author if they have. A, it's like asking a parent who their favorite child. But do you have a particular book that you're fond of? My favorite of my books. I'm fond of all of them, but my favorite is Dave at Night, which is a historical novel about a boy who's an orphan who's sent to an orphanage to live. And that was my father. So I made up his childhood because he did not talk about it. And the book is very dear to me. So, Gail, what are you working on now? I just sent to my editor a new uh, a prequel to The Two Princesses of Bamar, which I kind of think of as Rapunzel meets Moses. 
Now, uh, you do uh, writing workshops with children. Is that correct? I have for many years. I took a few years off, but I hope to resume next summer. And you have a book about uh, children and writing, right? I have two books for kids about writing. One is called Writing Magic, and the newest one is Writer to Writer, which is based on my blog. Your blog is called what? You get to it through my website, which is gailcarsonlevine.com. And you give uh, young people or everyone uh, writing tips? People write in. It's kind of a Dear Abby about writing. So people write in, mostly teens, with questions about writing. And I write posts. And then other writers, young writers, chime in with their own ideas. And it's kind of a forum. I love it. It's, um, it makes me very happy. It's very positive. Yeah. Well, thanks for being with us uh, this afternoon. It's a great day here. It is a great day. It's a great festival. Thank you for inviting me. And I just found Steve Shineking. Hey, congratulations, Steve. A busy, a busy week for you. Yeah, it was a good week. Thank it, you very much. Yes. Great to be here. Yes. And uh, most dangerous was just placed on the uh, long list for the uh, National Book Award. Yeah. And th this is 2015. And this is like the uh, third time, right? Third time, yeah. It's been a good run of last few years, yeah, right. very much. I, I think it's three out of the last four years you've been on the list. Yes, that's yeah. right. And so, just to remind people, the first time it was for Bomb, right? Yeah, I just happened to have the books with me. Yeah, right yeah. I what don't know we, why, yes. Yeah, this one right here. They're all nonfiction, and these, right. this one's about the making of the bomb and the espionage. It's really kind of a spy story. I was very inspired by spy novels that I love to read, and I did that format, but as a young adult nonfiction book about basically the making of the bomb and the stealing of the bomb by Soviet spies. And then the second time was for? The second time was for the Port Chicago 50, also a World War II story, but really more of a civil rights story about some young, very young sailors, many of them 17, 18 years old, who stood up against segregation in the Navy during World War II and were charged with mutiny for it. So the most serious crime. They were told they would be shot if they didn't back down, and they didn't back down. And, and now, most dangerous, and that's about? That is a story from the Vietnam War, kind of a Cold War political thriller about this character, Daniel Ellsberg, this guy who I, who I love because some people think to this day that he's a hero and some a traitor. And I love a character like that. Um, he was the one who, he wouldn't use the word stole, but he acquired, shall we say, these top secret papers that exposed all the lies the government had told about the Vietnam War and, and leaked them to the New York Times. And it led to a, just a huge firestorm, very similar to what happened to Edward Snowden recently. Um, but this one was even bigger in the 70s. It led directly to, well, to Nixon going quite mad and directly to Watergate and a lot of other things. A very exciting story. Now, now Steve, I know from uh, talking to you in the past that you, when you're doing your research, you like collect things. So did you, did you collect, what have you collected from uh, Daniel Ellsberg? A massive piles of documents. There's too much. There's a such thing as being too much information available. And when you have such a contemporary source, Daniel is still around and I've talked to him many times and interviewed him. So that's one great source that I've never, you can't interview Benedict Arnold or Robert Oppenheimer. So I mean, it's just amazing to have someone who's still around who I can call. His wife, Patricia Ellsberg, is a main character in the story. She was fantastic. She even told me I said, I want to know more about your early relationship with, with Daniel and, and how you influenced him. And she said, well, I'll tell you about, you know, what it was like with him. But 
it's probably not going to be appropriate for younger readers. But here goes, and she told me some outrageous stories, some of which made it, some which did not. Um, so that kind of stuff, which is beyond anything you could find in a library or archive. I have all that stuff too, but the personal hands-on stuff is amazing. Great, and so what are you uh, working on now? A total change of pace, which really had to be from such a serious story to a sports story. It's, it has a serious heart to it because of where it takes place, a place called the Carlisle Indian School, which was in the late 1800s and early 1900s a boarding school for Indian kids off of reservations. And the Army had basically decided we were going to take these kids and teach them to be, quote, Americans, as if they weren't Americans. Um, and against all odds, these kids formed a football team at a time when Princeton, Harvard, Yale, the, the elite of the elite, uh, dominated football and would not let anyone touch them. They won all their games. And these kids from this tiny school uh, that nobody paid any attention to or respected said, you know what, we're going to take on Princeton and Yale and Harvard. And everyone laughed at them. So it's this great underdog sports story about the early days of football, which was much more violent, much more violent, if you can imagine, than it is now. And these undersized kids who took on the system and, and won. So was this a story you knew? A little bit. Jim Thorpe, who a lot of people think is one of the greatest athlete of the 20th century, was one of the players at Carlisle. So he becomes, of course, a main character in my story, following him from his reservation in Oklahoma, running away from every school they tried to send him to until he shows up at Carlisle as a last resort and finds sports as his salvation. Well, uh, you're on the long list, and, uh, and congratulations, and thanks for chatting with us. Yeah, thanks. It's been really fun. Thanks, Rocco. Well, I have Eric White with me. Eric came all the way over from Bucks County, PA, to be here at the uh, Book Festival. Welcome. Thank you. Good to see you. Yeah, likewise. So your new book actually makes me very hungry. It's uh, Everybody Loves Bacon. So, so tell us, bacon as a character? Yeah, Bacon is quite a character in this book, and um, maybe too much of a character. He kind of gets a little full of himself, um, but it's, uh, it's a delicious ending, we'll say. <laughs> no spoilers on this uh, book. So this uh, just came out, and, yeah. and the story is by? Kelly DiPuccio, wrote a very, very funny book. Yeah. Yes. So uh, to uh, personify uh, Bacon, so... Uh, yeah, he looks a little snarky on the cover. He does, he does. Bacon, you know, bacon's popular. Everyone loves bacon, so he's got a little bit of an attitude. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, so you have other books uh, here at the book festival. You have your your Magic Shop series. Illustrate the Magic Shop series. This is actually the, the newest one right here, Just Pure Magician. This came out a couple months ago. And uh, what was really fun about these books is that uh, not only are they chapter books, but they actually have magic tricks in the book. So kids can learn how to do the tricks right along with the book. So can you do any of these tricks, Eric? Well, I had to learn how to do a couple of them. I, I'm a little out of practice, but my kids and I sat down and we learned how to do the tricks. And yeah, they're great. They're all household items, so they're easy tricks that anyone can learn. Right. So, I mean, which trick are you the most skilled at? Uh, there's one where I can make a, a coin appear from a, a dollar bill. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to have to have... <laughs> I think we're going to have uh, you come back. I think we're going to start a series uh, go, uh, authors and illustrators, uh, unknown talents. <laughs> so, so what are you working on now? I'm actually working on the, the I just finished the sequel to Everyone Loves Bacon. It's called Everyone Loves Cupcake. Uh, and if you think bacon made you hungry, wait until you see this one because it's set in a bakery 
and uh, everything you could imagine that's in a bakery uh, are, are in this story. It's a, it's a, it's a really... Uh, <laughs> It's a really sweet story. <laughs> you know, uh, on Kidlit TV, we actually have cooking segments. Oh, so, okay. so maybe you and Kelly can come on and either do bacon or cupcakes. Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yes. So, yeah, well, it was really great seeing you, and thanks for stopping well, by. Thanks for having me. We're here with Jared Krasovska. <laughs> hey, Jared, great seeing you. It's good to see you, Rocco. I see you all over the place. Well, we see glimpses of one another, uh, yeah. and not just in our dreams, but in passing at conferences and book festivals. Yes. So, so here is the uh, the program for the uh, Princeton Book Festival. Remarkably similar to. It's tough to lose your balloon. It, it, it is. It's the uh, same characters from the entire book all in one scene. Yes. And so uh, this uh, book was uh, inspired by? So, uh, so it's tough to lose your balloon. It's, it's not a storybook. It's a, in the editorial process, my editor kept trying to infuse story. And I said, it, it's, not a, it's not a storybook. It's a self-help book for preschoolers. <laughs> it's, it's ways to, to take a look at things that are tough and make them better. And I was at the park with my wife and daughter, Zoe, who was then about three. And she was given a balloon at a birthday party. And as is the case, the balloon was let go. And it went up in the sky. And it, it got smaller and smaller and further and further away. And, and getting down on the level of my daughter, seeing how devastated she was, made, made me realize that, right, like, you know, while, you know, dealing with, like, health care and insurance and taxes is tough. At three, like it's it, losing your balloon is, is all of that wrapped up into one. And, and so my wife, Gina, quickly, she's quick on her feet, and she said, well, Zoe, your grandparents, they'll, they'll see that from the sky. They'll see it from the airplane. They were flying. And it, and it, it jolted into my mind a, a book that I had written so in 1999, and uh, it was called it, Peanut Butter and Jelly Sandwiches in the Sand, and it was just a list of the the junky things that happen to you. You know, dropping your sandwich in the sand, stepping in a puddle when you're wearing socks. And rightfully so, it was rejected by every publisher that saw it. And I still have those, those rejection letters uh, in a file. And I read them now, and I think yeah, they were right. They, that, the book should not have been published. And, and that all came together to create It's Tough to Lose Your Balloon. Well, speaking of peanut butter, yeah. yes, yeah. you kept that. You kept that peanut butter uh, thought for peanut butter and jellyfish. Yes. And so uh, a little quick uh, synopsis. Okay, uh, peanut butter and jellyfish is about a seahorse and a jellyfish that are best friends. And they're, they're bullied by a crab. And the crab isn't so nice to them. He calls them bubbleheads. Uh, and when the crab is in trouble, He's caught in a lobster trap. The two friends make a decision: will we, will we help him or not? Yeah. So I think one of your, uh, you may unconscious goals is to put like the underrepresented uh, creatures into uh, books. So it's yes, sort of it happened that way. It sort of has happened that way. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, you have like your platypus uh, series. Platypus police squad. Yeah, they're the platypus are cops. The pandas are questionable businessmen around town. Uh, there's a flamingo who's a singer, and in the fourth book, there's a narwhal. A narwhal? A narwhal. Uh, a, a, you might think it's mythical, but it's an actual uh, creature. It's a whale with a giant unicorn horn. Really? Okay. If you say so. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And, and uh, you know, back in medieval times, uh, narwhals were, were killed, and their tusks were cut off, and those tusks were, were used as uh, proof for the existence of unicorns. 
Well, I, I keep learning more and more things from children's uh, kidlit people, you know? And uh, so I know everyone's wondering, do you miss Lunch Lady? Uh, you know, I, it's funny. Like, so it's been a few years since there's been a new Lunch Lady book. But she's still very much in my life because uh, kids are... Uh, they, kids send me very persuasive letters asking me to pick the series up again. And uh, I co-edit a series uh, of comics called Comic Squad. It's an anthology that I put together with the home siblings. And in every Comic Squad book, there's a little mini lunch lady story. So there's uh, Comic Squad Recess, Comic Squad Lunch is coming up, where you can, where you, and you'll learn a, a different aspect of lunch lady's life or her, the characters around her. Uh, but I, you know, I never fully said I'm done with it. I, I, I want to go back to it someday. I just don't know when. Yes. But I feel in my heart of hearts that I will someday be making another full-length Lunch Lady book. Whether it's, you know, a 96-page graphic novel like this or something else, I'm not sure yet. So has Lunch Lady ever been principal? Has Lunch Lady ever been principal? Like this character? Yeah. Um, well, I will say... Uh, no, because I'm giving you a, a storyline. <laughs> well, no, did you know that the, uh, uh, the, the president of the National Education Association started in the lunchroom? No. So that storyline is ripped from the headlines, Rocco. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah. So just remember where you uh, got that. That's yeah. right. So remind us, the Comic Squad, who else is in the Comic Squad? Okay, so in Comic Squad Recess, uh, obviously we have Matt and Jenny Holm. Right. Uh, the, the three of us will be in every anthology. We have Dave Pilkey, Rana Telgemeier, Dave Roman, Dan Santat, Eric White. Uh, we have Ursula Vernon. We have Gene Yang. And then in, in Comic Squad Lunch, which will be out in January, see, we have... CC Bell, we have Sarah Varon, uh, Cecil Cacciolini, uh, we have I know Matt and Jenny, uh, let's see, uh, Jason Shiga, we have Jeffrey Brown, we have Nathan Hale, and we have Snoopy. We can do a, a book festival with just the comic, uh, comic uh, squad. We could. Yeah, yes, yes, terrific. Well, thanks, and that, but. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you, Rocco. Yes. Thank you for you, man. Can you believe? Can, look at this face. Does it? Does she look old enough to have 14 books? Is that true? 14 books. It's true. 14 books. Uh, yeah. Okay, the first book. The first book. Um, my editor was Frances Foster. Um, yeah, she actually the the way that I got into to the field was that uh, Francis visited me in my um, SVA master's program class and critiqued my work and so we kept in touch and uh, yeah she sent me uh, sent a manuscript my way about two months after I graduated. So um, first book was called What Happens on Wednesdays uh, written by Emily Jenkins and who you know yeah. <laughs> very well uh, who you've had on Kidlet TV right? right. Uh, yeah so Emily so Emily was living in um, uh, what part of South Brooklyn at the time, and she wrote the story, What Happens on Wednesdays, about her Brooklyn neighborhood. And um, I went and did location drawing and, um, you know, got all the information I needed to make that book. So it's, that's where things started. And then I had a, I, I illustrated about five books with Frances Foster before yeah. she retired. Yeah, so you're part of the that long list of people that uh, Frances Foster, the late Frances Foster, discovered. And, and that's a great story. I did not know that. Yes. Felt very blessed to, to be able to work with her for, for a few years at least. Yeah. So. Yeah. And and uh, this past year has been exciting because Nana in the City, a book that you both wrote and illustrated, was uh, a Caldecott honor. It's true. Yep. It's been 
quite the year. <laughs> very exciting year, very surprising year. Um, but yeah, I've had the best time doing things that I wouldn't normally do, uh, you know, getting to speak um, at more events and, and that sort of thing. So it's been great. Well, no, I have to share that I uh, was on the line, the receiving line, and I was behind your mom, dad, and your brother. Very, very enthusiastic fans, and it was a lot of fun because it was a very long line. So we really got to know each other before we actually, you know, caught up and said hello to you. Yeah, so that that was fun. And so, uh, uh, Nana in the city, uh, just for those people that may not be familiar, tell us about the story. Sure. Um, Nana in the City is about a little boy who goes to visit his grandma, or his Nana, I'm sorry. Um, I have a grandma and a nanny, but I chose to, to call her Nana in the story. Um, but yeah, so the little boy um, is going to visit his Nana in the city. Um, he's ju She's just moved there, and he doesn't think that the city is a great place for a Nana to live, but uh, she, with a little bit of convincing, proves to him that it's the perfect place for a Nana to live. So um, it's basically a tour and a love letter to to New York City and all the wonders of it. So, And I lived in New York City for 12 years, so a lot of my inspiration for writing the book came from um, me living in the city and also me um, having a nanny who I traveled into New York from from the country of Maryland to visit every summer for a week. So I would drive in past the big city to see her and so sort of um, sparked from memories of my childhood. Well, you know, I'll have to uh Mention this to the uh, New York Center for the Book because every year for the National Book Festival, every state picks a book either by an author from the state or something to do with the state. So this is a good, this is a good contender. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> and another book that uh, you both uh, wrote and illustrated is Troublemaker or The Troublemaker. The Troublemaker, yes. Mm -hmm. And this is sort of uh, based on a childhood memory as well, because um, we used to, in the house I, I first grew up in, um, there were raccoons that were always invading our backyard and our trash cans, and so um, then in recent years, my, uh, my brother was living at the north part of Central Park, and um, a raccoon, raccoons were running rampant in that area at night and several times he had raccoons following him down the sidewalk to his apartment. Um, so when he told me that one night, I thought it was a really funny idea to have this raccoon that goes and you know collects families' belongings to create his little bed at night. So uh, that's the story. And now I'm probably going to get you in trouble. Uh, is the book dedicated to him? It is not, but he's yeah, he has a different book dedicated to him. Yeah. Okay. And I, this is dedicated to uh, dear friends of mine's children who are not troublemakers, really. Maybe a little bit. Right. And and your most recent book with uh, Jane Yolen, no, Eve Bunting. It, yeah, is Yard Cell. Yes. So I, I, that's pretty self-explanatory. It is. Um, yeah, the little girl and her family have to downsize. Uh, they they're moving from their house. Um, to doesn't say, we don't know, um, but she has to leave her home that she's known all her life and she has to leave her friends and she has to leave belongings behind and it's kind of um, a story about her realizing that, you know, she's taking her family with her and belongings don't matter, but it's family what matters most, so, so yeah. The family. <laughs> I tend to do a lot of books on family relationships. <laughs> it seems like in looking at all my books, they're like all family based, so. Well, I'm sure we will not find this 
at a yard sale. We all have to go. We have to go to our local uh, bookseller to get that. Except uh, my parents t are actually having a yard sale as we speak um, in Maryland, and they did tell, call me this morning and tell me that they were putting out a few copies um, on display for their, <laughs> for their yard sale. They probably didn't sell because they were too expensive. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was nice to have it represented, so. Well, uh, hopefully, uh, if they took a photo, I hope you will uh, uh, tweet it out or post it on Facebook. And uh, your book with Amy uh, Hess? Amy Hess, yeah, the reader. It's about a boy and his best friend who um, go on a big journey, which is basically the top of his hill in his backyard in the snow. Um, and he reads his best friend, his favorite book. So it's about sharing a story with a friend and a very sweet story by Amy. And the last, the last book we hear, have here is with uh, Kate Banks, City Cat, another city. It, let me look at that. It looks, is that? No, this is not. Oh, it's Paris. Paris, Paris, Paris there you go. Oh. Yeah, so City Cat, um, here's the map of City Cat's journey. Uh, city Cat, hops in um, a family who's going on their Euro vacation, um, hops in their car and um, starts off his journey uh, across, what is it, eight different countries, I believe. And so um, the cat the, the boy and the, and the family and the story sort of sort of a seek and find because the cat uh, finds his way by different modes of transportation throughout the book and then ends up back at home in Rome um, with the family at the end of the story. So So did you have to do on location research? I, I certainly did. I, I went to uh, not all of the cities, but about half of them for, for inspiration. <laughs> so what can we expect next? Oh, um, I'm just uh, finishing up some illustrations for Lisa Graff's um, first picture book uh, called It Is Not Time for Sleeping. Um, so we're collaborating on this picture book. Um, and it's a good night story and um, really beautiful story by Lisa. So I'm looking forward to that coming out next year. Well, we, I'm sure we will all love to see that book. So, but, so thanks for joining us and uh, enjoy the uh, festival. And say hi to your mom and dad. Oh, <laughs> and your brother. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thanks so much. Well, I've been around the uh, Princeton uh, Book Festival. And today is also the Brooklyn Book Festival. But I think half the people from Brooklyn are here in Princeton. So part of the... Uh, the uh, Brooklyn uh, author mafia here is uh, Edward Hemingway. Hey, welcome. Thank you. It's great. It's great to be here. It's yeah. uh, a little cooler today than it has been in in Brooklyn yeah. last few days. Yes. So. Yes. So I, I I'm kidding, calling you part of the uh, the author mafia there. But you share uh, a studio space with some people I know. Yes. Who Sergio Ruzier, um, uh, Sophie Blackall, Johnny Marciano, and Brian Floca. So I'm in really good company. You certainly are. And, and eventually, Kid Lit TV is going to do a field trip to the studio. We would love that. Yeah. Excellent. Yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, well, you, you have a few books under your belt here. Yeah. And uh, so Bad Apple, A Tale of Friendship. Now, uh, October is National uh, Bully Prevention Month. So uh, Bad, uh, Bad Apple is a good book for that month, Yes, right? no, it, it uh, actually speaks to bullying in that it's about a, a friendship between an apple and a worm that is unusual, so they're made fun of by other apples in the orchard. So it's a it's sort of a fun introduction into uh, being sort of true to yourself and your friends for kids to read. And it's actually, it's been out since 2002. It just came out in paperback 
And I've noticed a lot of teachers and schools like to use it uh, when they do an Apple-themed unit at schools. So it's, it's nice. Or a bully-themed unit. Having been in elementary school in, in part of my career, yes, there are many Apple-themed units. And so we have a, 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 yeah, a tale of friendship. But there's always, it's always good to have a, a, a sequel. Exactly. Yes. And then the sequel is Bad Apple's Perfect Day, which came out last year. And this one's uh, all about sort of taking a bad day and making it, uh, making it turn out all right. So sort of taking something bad and turning it into something good. So. Yes. And, and, and one of your books that I uh, was just looking at is uh, Tiny Pie. And, you know, we actually do uh, cooking uh, segments in the Kidlit uh, uh, kitchen. So uh, I think this may be a possibility for a visit. Very cool. Well, the pie recipe is Alice Waters. Uh, the famed Alice Waters uh, wrote the recipe. It's a delicious pie recipe. I've actually made it. It's um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I had I had to try it out to make sure. You know, when I was illustrating it, that I got it right. So uh, yeah, this book is is also just uh, uh, a lot of uh, fun. Just a lot of different colors and uh, characters in it. And my buddy Mark Bailey wrote it. We we do adult. We write and illustrate adult uh, guides. Uh, sort of uh, that deal with imbibing, which is a, a fancy word I use when I talk to kids about the books that I do for adults. Well, um, later, <laughs> off camera, I want to talk to you about those. And, and, uh, and today, and today uh, we, we have a preview, yes, right? Exactly. So I'm going to do a, 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 my first time ever I'm reading publicly from Grumpasaurus, uh, The Field Guide to the Grumpasaurus, which is uh, coming out uh, from Clarion uh, this this actually this coming June, but it's just in F and G's right now, so it's just sort of in my. I have a preview of it, and I thought it'd be really fun to get the kids' reactions to it. So I'm going to read that. And, I'm sorry, this comes out. When? And this comes out uh, actually uh, just uh, spring 2016. Spring, uh, so yeah. So like it's coming May, out soon. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. June actually. June. So, well, okay. so summer maybe I guess. Yes, and so that's uh, great. And yeah, uh, Grumpasaurus, a field a field guide. We all know we all know a Grumpasaurus in our I think in our lives, or, or perhaps we've been one. So, this is maybe semi-autobiographical. I don't know. Really, Grumpasaurus. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and and just like a part of like kid lit trivia, you know, we were just I asked you about your last name, and I yeah. and I just in passing say any relation. Yes. No. And uh, yeah, um, I'm the youngest grandson of Ernest Hemingway. So, I come from a literary lineage, which I'm very proud of. It's been great to grow up uh, seeing how successful an author can be, uh, staying true to their work, and uh, and also just really working hard. So, yeah, it's very inspiring. So, did you ever consider a uh, a, a picture book uh, biography of your uh, grandfather? Uh, no, no, not yet. I mean, I, uh, there are certain elements to his life I certainly would would think would make very interesting picture books. So. We'll see in the future. I'll let you know if yes, anything yeah. happens. Well, well, thanks for being with us, and uh, hopefully we could get you into the uh, Kid Lit Kitchen. Great. Well, thanks so much for having me. All right. I'm here with a very, very serious Alan Katz. Hello. Uh, hello. Yes, and after this a very uh, sunny, warm day, I don't know if you can take me out of the bathtub, because I think I may want to just <laughs> stay uh, in there and soaking, but uh, many people know you from this book. They do. And, uh, Take me out of the bathtub and other silly dilly songs. So, uh, just a quick one. Sure. Stinky, stinky diaper change. Boy, my brother smells so strange. He made something in his pants. Sure hope it won't attract ants. Stinky, stinky diaper change. Boy, my brother smells so strange. 
it's okay, don't hold your nose. Now he's clean and in fresh clothes. All his stuff is often stained. Can't wait till he's potty trained. He's so cute in his playpen. What's that smell? Oh, not again. So this may become a musical. It, we're talking about doing a musical. This was the first of nine Silly Dilly songbooks. There are potty training songbooks and um, manners and Christmas and all that. So we did a test of a Christmas musical last year, and we're going to try to bring it to uh, stage. Well, that's exciting. And, and you heard it here first on Kidlit TV. And another poem book is, well, that's a song book. Here's a poem book. Poem book. There are 100 poems in here in Oops. And the uh, follow-up was poems I wrote when no one was looking. And I think the poem that gets the most attention in here is called The Lollipop. It goes like this. Lick, 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 lick. Lick, 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 lick. Lick, 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 lick. Lick, 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 lick. Stick. After all those licks, what do you have left? That's it. You have that stick right there. And the day... The Mustache Took Over. The Mustache Took Over uh, is uh, a sorry. middle grade book. It's a middle grade book, seven to ten year old readers who like to laugh. Uh, David and Nathan are twin boys who wreck havoc and scare nanny after nanny, babysitter after babysitter out of the house until they meet Martin Healy, who comes in and he's more responsible, more irresponsible, I should say, than they are. And they learn to be better citizens uh, based on dealing with him. It is... Um, based on my real-life twin boys, David and Nathan, who I'm proud to say are much more responsible than they used to be. And we've been having a lot of fun with it. And the sequel will be out in July of 16. July of 16. So you, you have twin boys, and, and they're the basis for this. They are the inspiration. In fact, the characters are named David and Nathan. And uh, we're thinking of doing a people's court segment where they sue me. <laughs> uh, Nathan actually asked if he can sue me for this. And I said, let's make the book successful first, then there'll be something to sue over. Well, well, thank you so much thank for you. stopping by the uh, Kidlit TV tent. Thank you for all you do to bring books to readers. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing you do. Thanks, Laura. Thank you. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Want to see the video for this episode? Then be sure to visit www.kidlit.tv, winner of the Parish Choice Gold Award. See you guys next week.